today we thank you that we've sung about the rich experience that we found in you love and kindness peace and mercy follow us it's our portion it's how we live it's what you've provided and what you've done and Lord we thank you today for that the rich blessed experience that we have through this life because you are our Savior you are our Lord and you are the one that's with us that never sleeps or slumbers or relaxes your care Lord you are there all the time the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous his ears are open to their prayers and to their cries and we just want to thank you for that Lord and we give you praise for it in Jesus name come on church let's give him a shout of praise in this place we thank you Jesus and you may be seated come on let's thank our musicians this morning absolutely wonderful brilliant just asking James to stay on keys for us well we had a great time in France spoke a little French got it all wrong all messed up but you know what it was a blessed time and um, we we truly did have a real real great time together as a family but also it's so wonderful it really is to come home and to know also that the church is in great hands. Pastor Dale ministered a week ago, or a week last Sunday, and um, listened to the message, absolutely fantastic. Isn't it great to have people in our world, other voices that can bless us, that can enrich us? You know, the church doesn't just have one voice, it has many voices. And Haley, last week I listened to Haley, I was so blessed by Haley's words, so encouraged. You know what? Not just by what she said. And what she said, there was rich substance, biblical substance in what Haley said. But more importantly, how she said it. How she said it. What a blessing that was. Thank you, Haley. And I know so many people were greatly blessed by that. And I want to dovetail into what was spoken over the last past weeks. I know before, I, uh, before we went on holiday, I was talking about how God changes our lives, how God transforms our lives. And we're going to look a little bit about that this morning again, just to see how God enriches every single one of our lives, how He comes into the places of our lives that may seem empty and void and areas that have no purpose and meaning but God comes into those areas and gives them meaning and purpose in a moment we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 55 and this chapter is an amazing chapter when you read it it's a, it's a chapter about transformation it's a chapter about many many people looking for meaning and purpose and significance in life and Isaiah sees an incredible picture. God gives him an encounter. And he gives him a vision into the search and the longing 
of the human heart. Isaiah sees people that are thirsty. He sees people that are longing for fulfillment and significance and purpose. And his message, though thousands of years old now, is still as relevant today, the day in which we live, as it was when he spoke it, when God gave it to him. Because, because people are looking for meaning. People are still looking for significance and purpose and fulfillment in life. It's the quest of the human heart. It really is. And the answer to all of our dreams, the answer to all of the aspirations of our heart lay in the presence of God. Outside of God's presence, there is no meaning. There is no purpose, really. There is no significance. Even though our world would want to present a picture of meaning, even though our world would want to present a picture of happiness and completeness that it can offer, really, it can offer but little. That's not to say that there isn't happiness in our world. That's not to say that there isn't forms of significance and fulfillment that people get. But at the end of all of the search, at the end of all of our pursuits, if they're outside of God, what God says is that there is no meaning or no purpose. And Isaiah sees this. He sees the masses of people using their money. He wasn't talking about, we're going to get to it in a moment. He wasn't talking about impoverished people. He was talking about affluent people, industrious people, skilled people, people that had many abilities and talents, and they were using their money in order to find significance. They were using their money, much like our world does, using their skills, using their abilities using their various industries to pursue a purpose and a dream and a vision in the hope to find significance. And yet at the end of it, he sees all of these people using all of their abilities falling on barren times, having exerted all of their strength and all of their skills. He finds them exhausted at the end of their exploration. At the, at the end of their journey, he finds these people famished, thirsty, thirsty. What does God do? He sends out an amazing invitation to anyone and everyone that will hear it. Let me read to you from Isaiah 55 verse 1. Words again that you might know well. And the invitation from the heart of God, from a loving God to a thirsty world, to a thirsty city like Newport, to a thirsty nation like Wales, is still the same today as it was in Isaiah's time. And it's this, verse 1, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. God implores 
the needy heart of men and women. And maybe today he's imploring your heart, listen carefully now. Are you thirsty for meaning and purpose and significance? Has the world left you high and dry as it promised you much and delivered nothing like it did just for these people? Listen carefully to the admonition and the invitation of the Lord to you personally. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. This is the invitation, the open invitation. And even before the good news, the gospel was preached, that Jesus delivered and the disciples heralded all over the world. It was spoken by the prophet Isaiah in these simple words. Anybody that thirsts, come and drink. Isaiah was using very physical forms and substances to identify the deep needed thirst of the human soul. He says, why do you spend your money for things that don't satisfy your soul? You look around and you listen to the voices and you see all of the promises. And they're pulling you this way and they're pulling you that way. And we're all pulled in many different directions to find fulfillment and significance. And very often, at the end of the road that we go on, at the end of the road that people go on, there's emptiness and unfortunately, sadness. But if we will listen carefully, if we will heed the invitation and the offer that the Lord gives, our needy hearts, our thirsty souls will be quenched greatly. There's many, there's many forms of thirst. There is many as Men and women span across this earth. Many forms of thirst that people try to quench. And God says, come to me, I'll quench them all. He doesn't just specialize in one type of fulfillment. He doesn't just specialize in one form of human need. He specializes in it all. He says, come to me, everyone. It's an open invitation. It's not whether, whether you're wearing the right clothes or whether, you, whether you know, your attendance has been high in church or religious circles. No, it's an open invitation to anyone and everyone. And he says, come, come, you're thirsty. You've lost meaning. You've lost purpose. You're hungering for significance. Come to me. I will, I will quench the needy thirst that you have, that you've spent all your money and all of your energies and all of your strength trying to quench. Come to me. Jesus said it, didn't he? He stood up one day in, in a feast and he says, he who is thirsty, come and drink. Maybe he was thinking about these great words that Isaiah spoke, and he said that he would give us rivers of living water flowing up out of our innermost being. This is supernatural. This isn't just talking about a physical dimension or a natural quenching of thirst. 
This is talking about the deep hunger, the deep thirst within the human heart, within the human psyche, within the human soul of a man and a woman, wondering and longing and questioning life. And God is the end of our search. The Lord is the end of our search. He really is. And He is the one that quenches, quenches our thirst. You know, a number of months ago now, I think, I was looking through one of the girls' journals. They were showing me their journal and, you know, they, how they'd written in it and how they keep it neatly and how they, you know, are up to date with all of their little entries into their diaries. And I just noticed at the top of a page, at the top of every page, in fact, a line of little emojis, faces. And, you know, there was, there was a real perplexed emoji. And next to that one, there was a really angry one. Next to that one, there was a, a puzzled one. Next to that one, there was a, an ecstatic, happy one. And then the little postscript by the emoji said this, how are you feeling today? And you'd have to tick each day how you were feeling. I wonder if we were to go around the room today, if we were to go through Newport, this city, if we were to go th around the land of Wales today, I wonder what emoji we would tick. I wonder what emoji would be over this city, over our land. I wonder if it would be a happy one or a sad one, an ecstatic one or a problem-filled, perplexed one, an angry one, a confused one, one not knowing what to do or where to go or why they are where they are. But you know, I'm telling you now, the Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly and he said this to me, our future as regards to this church is full of smiles. I'm telling you, your future is full of smiles. There is not going to be a scowl over the face of this church. There is going to be a huge smile and together the Holy Spirit is going to make enable us to make this place the happiest home in Wales. I believe it. You know, I tell you something now. Let me tell you now, right? People have asked me over the years since we've been pastoring here the last four years, what's your vision? And sometimes they, they none of you, right? None of you. But, but some people want you to come out with a big long list, and they want you to have this strategy and for it to sound all important and, and all factual and, and, and all detailed. I'll tell you my vision is to make this the happiest place in the whole of Wales. How about that? We can do it together. We can. Do you know what? We can do it together. And, and when one of us is sad, when one of us is struggling... We will weep with those that weep. And when one is rejoicing, we will all rejoice with those that are rejoicing. But we want to make this the happiest place in the world. We really do. You know, if you were to ask people around this city what their idea was of church, I don't know if they would associate joy with the house of God. I don't know if they would associate happiness contentment, fulfillment with God's house. But you know what? 
The house of God should be bursting with joy. It really should. The house of God shouldn't be weighed down by stress and strife and unrest and, and, and all of the other kind of things that we find in our world that are negative. The one thing that should really characterize the people of God is the joy of the Lord. It really should. And I know sometimes we take a battering. I know sometimes things are tough and we go through things that we can't understand and we struggle. But you know what? There is a joy that endures through all of the trials. There is a place in our lives, a joy that gives us strength through all of the dark times that we go through that enables us to go through. But I'm telling you now, the Bible says there's a time to laugh. There's a time to laugh. It's a season where your mouth is filled with laughter. How about that? How about having a good laugh? Hey? And I'm not talking about, you know, just being entertained by an entertainer. I'm not just talking about, you know, having a couple of head laughs because somebody's told a funny joke. I'm talking about the abundance of God breaking into your world. I'm talking about the presence of Jesus being so close and so rich that your mouth and your soul is full of joy. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that Jesus was actually anointed with the oil of gladness. There was an anointing oil all over Jesus' life. Whenever Jesus went into any situation, the first, one of the first aspects that people would encounter about his countenance was this wonderful anointing of joy upon him. I'm telling you, the joy, it's real. Now, you're not born with it. It's not natural. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a character, characteristic of God's nature. Joy. And you know, the Bible says you can be filled, Peter tells us, you can be filled with inexpressible joy and full of glory. How about that? How about that? You can be filled every day with inexpressible joy and full of glory. That means you just can't Describe why you're so happy, why you're so joyful, why you're so rich inside. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't stop the pressures and the difficulties and the trials coming. But you, even James says, count it all joy when you fall. Have you ever, have you ever fallen over and cried? I have. You, you, you fall, you know, it's a natural reaction when you fall. And if the fall is hard, you cry. You look at where you hurt yourself. But you know, the kingdom of God is completely different. James says, when you fall, count it all joy. Here we go again. Because the testing of my faith produces patience and all of these great virtues. I'm being enriched by this hardship. I'm being enriched by this difficulty. I'm, thank you. I'm joyful. That is supernatural. It is not natural. But God, the Holy Spirit, can give us this joy. I've fallen into trials and complained. I've fallen into trials and I've not counted them as joy. 
I've counted them as a hindrance, as something to get through as quick as possible. I'm being honest with you to help you. But James says there's a level of life where you look and where you understand about how life fashions you and how life forms you. And even though it comes at you through the, by the left and by the right and it knocks you here, there and everywhere, you can interpret it all from God's perspective and as interpreting it from His perspective, you count it joy. You count it joy. The Bible tells us of experiences, encounters with people. In the Bible, in, in, in the Psalms, when, when the children of Israel came out of their captivity, when they came out of a 70-year period where they'd been exiled and banished from their land in Babylon, it says that they were going back to their own land and something supernatural happened as they were going back to their land. The Bible says that the Lord filled their mouths with laughter. Seventy years of hardship, seventy years of a sad emoji, seventy years of an angry, pain-stricken, confused soul, and they're on their way back to a to a to a land with a broken down temple, nothing to look back to, and really nothing to look forward to. But something supernatural happened on the way. God filled their mouth with laughter. I'm telling you now, you may look back at your past and you may think, my God, I can't go back there. You may look at your future and you may think my God it doesn't look very good there either but something along the way supernatural an encounter can happen God can fill your mouth with laughter so that when you look back you're filled with joy when you look forward you're filled with joy because the power of God's spirit now is resident taking over in your life he can do it he can do it I was visited, visiting my dad a few weeks ago and uh, my mum was there and my dad's in a home now. And, uh, you know, we just, we just finished the visit and we were on our way out and suddenly this lady came walking up to, to, to me and my mum and my mum said, you've got to meet this lady, Dave. Her name is Joy. I said, wow, I'd love to meet her. She said, she knows the Lord. I said, fantastic. I said, hello, Joy. I said, you know the Lord, don't you? Oh, yes, I do, she said. I said, your name isn't only Joy, is it? I said, you've got Joy. You could see it in her eyes. Now, the woman's in a home. But she is so alive with the Spirit of God with the Holy Ghost. And she said, do you know what? She said, I used to live in South Africa. My, my husband was a geologist. We had everything. We had it all. We had money. We had properties. We traveled everywhere. And yet, I was full of anxiety. A bit like the people that Isaiah saw in his time that he addressed with the invitation, come. And to me, she said, I was so filled with anxiety and distress and worry. I was plagued by it. I had everything. 
but I had nothing. And then she said, I went to a meeting and a man was there. And he was talking about joy. And he laid his hand on my head. And she said, I've had joy ever since. She said, ever since 20 or so years. She said, it's never stopped. She said, my anxious spirit left me. My worry went. Doesn't the Bible say that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking physical things, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. There's something supernatural about it. Something wonderful. When it washes through your body, when it washes over your, your thirsty soul and enriches you, I'm telling you now, you never forget it. Me and my brother were, were at a place in our lives where we were dry. I remember it. I'm, we're going to pray for people in a moment. For the joy of the Lord. And we were at a place in our lives in 19... Hold on now. i got to check the old gray matter. In 1994... December 1994, we were so hungry, so thirsty, aching, aching, longing for just that encounter with the Lord, that experience, that touch, whatever you want to call it. And we went to a, to a meeting in London and we were so hungry for God. And people were encountering the joy of the Lord. You could see it, man, just washing over people, people carrying hurt and pain and baggage. Suddenly, in moments, the presence of God would go over that place. And I was, I was, I sat through the morning service and, and, a, and something rose up in my heart. I said, Lord, why have I always got to be inside a building to experience your presence? I want to experience your presence outside, not inside a building. Well, the day went on and I saw all of these wonderful things happening along with my brother. People being touched by God's presence in a very, very real way. The parched areas of their lives being filled with the rivers of living water. Like the desert areas, the abandoned areas of people's lives just being washed. The parched land being soaked again by His presence. Anyway, the meeting went on and I could just see it. And I, I started to pray, God, please, please give me what these people have got. Give me what these people have got. Fill my mouth with laughter. Fill my heart with joy. I was so desperate, so hungry. Nothing happened. I'm thinking, oh God, please. I was so disappointed at the end of the service. I thought, well, that's it. Me and my brother made our way to go home. And we were walking down the main street in Wembley. And there was, there was thousands and thousands of people there. Because a, a, a Stranglers concert had just finished exactly the same time and all of their doors had opened and there was just this huge mixture of crowds 
tens of thousands of people. And then suddenly, as I'm serious now, I'm just walking like this. And suddenly, the power of God, and it, it hasn't happened a lot like this. Few times, in all, in all honesty. But the power of God hit me. And I started to laugh uncontrollably. And my thirsty soul was washed in the river of life. And I, I'm telling you, I was completely, I was, I, I mean, the only way I could describe it was I was drunk in the Holy Ghost. Completely drunk in the Holy Ghost. I was bent over double, wandering. And I mean, I wasn't out of my senses. I wasn't out of my senses. I was in my right mind. But I'm telling you now, the joy of the Lord rushed through me, healed all of the pains and all of the aches and all of the anxieties and worries and cares. It was a lifting of all of the heavy burdens that were on my life. My brother came running up to me because he could see that I was wandering to a four-lane road. He, he grabbed my shoulder. to He didn't know what was happening. He grabbed my shoulder. Suddenly it hit him. And we were, we were both completely out of it. And do you know what? Do you know what? That's not necessarily something that happens every week. But I'm telling you now, something happened on that night on the street in Wembley to me and my brother that has, that has forever been a source of refreshment, a well, a river springing up within us, when you go through the hard time, when you go through the tough time, up it comes, that river of life, in all of its abundance and all of its fullness, He filled our mouths with laughter, with joy. You read Isaiah chapter 55, and all those that finally come receive instruction from the Lord, there's impartation through word. There's guidance and instruction. As we receive instruction from him, there's, in, there's guidance. But then let me pick up right at, the, right at the end of this great chapter. What you see happening as a result of the acceptance of this invitation from people who are hungry and people who are thirsty. Finally, Isaiah 55 verse 12 to verse 13 Isaiah says this for you shall go out with joy you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing. How about walking out into the world in which you live? How, how about walking out into your home? How about walking out into where you work tomorrow? And you may, you may think that there's unscalable obstacles in front of you, but you see the power of this joy working in people's lives, that the very obstacles that they faced, the very obstacles that were in front of them, 
as they encountered God's joy, suddenly broke in front of them. Very often, the obstacle can be stubborn, aggressive, unmoving, like a mountain. Do you know, the answer is not to strive and stress and fight what's opposing you. The answer is not to try and move the mountain. The answer is to be soaked in joy. And suddenly you'll approach that same obstacle, that same mountain, that same issue with the joy of the Lord transformed and suddenly, without even doing anything, it will break forth before you with singing. With singing. It go, he goes on to say, and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. He's using these as symbols. He's talking symbolically. And what happens within somebody's world, within somebody's life, when they truly encounter this joy that God gives us. The trees and the fields of the field shall clap their hands instead of the thorn shall come the cypress tree. The cypress tree was used in the building of the temple. The cypress tree was a, a dignified material, a stately material that was considered to be of worth. The thorn was never used. The thorn was sharp. The thorn conjured up work and strife. The thorn conjured up all kinds of ideal, ideas in people's minds of that time. But Isaiah says, listen, when the joy of the Lord impacts your life, when you're filled with this joy and your thirst is quenched and you accept this invitation from God to come, those very things that are obstructions will break forth. Those very sharp issues that try to cut you down, they'll be dealt with and something that's stately and dignified and of value will come forth. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. Again, the myrtle tree was of worth and as of use. But the briar was sharp and hard. And it shall be to the name of the Lord for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Finally, let me say this. You see, this joy that the Lord gives, this joy that's a fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's very powerful. It's very powerful. It's not just, you know, we're not just talking about being happy. We're not just talking about, we're talking about complete life transformation. That's what we're talking about. When you encounter it, I'm telling you now, go after it. Church, go after it. You want to see people saved? You know, we've got an idea of evangelism and, and, and salvation, that it's, it's labor-intensive and it's hard. Listen, just get baptized in joy. Get baptized in joy. You'll, you'll be invited everywhere. People will invite you. They just, they'll just want to be around you. They'll just want to be with you. This joy is contagious and infectious. Church, go after it. Go after it.
I'm telling you, go after it. Your future is full of smiles. We get the joy of the Lord in this place. I'm telling you now. I am telling you now, this place will burst at the seams. It won't, because of, it won't be because of great preaching. There ain't no great names here, friends. God doesn't build his, his church on great names or great preachers. You get the joy of the Lord amongst the people of God, caring for one another. This place, I'm telling you now, will be packed out like every other church in Newport will be. We got to go after this as churches, as this church, King's Church, and also as every other church in Newport. Let's pray for other churches, for every church in Wales to be a place of abundance of joy, a place where people come in, where they're baptized with joy in the Holy Ghost. People are hungry for joy. People are hungry for meaning and purpose and significance, and they're using all of the wrong means to try and find it telling you go after it go after it and I'm telling you you will not be disappointed you will not be disappointed me and my mom remember you know <clears throat> praying together and it's great memories you know I think back and I remember praying I said Lord I was coming back from South Africa. I said, Lord, I'd love to experience your joy with my mum. And we began to talk about it. And for like four weeks, my God, from morning to night, I'm serious, man. We just, I mean, we were, I don't know what was going on in the end. I looked at her, she looked at me, we were laughing. We couldn't stop laughing. And there was nothing funny. I'm serious. I mean, you might look at me and have a good laugh, and I can understand that, but I am serious. We wake up in the morning. She'd say, you know, she'd get one sentence out, what do you want for breakfast, Dave? And that is all she'd be able to say. Bam! It'd kick off. The joy. Our mouths was filled with laughter. I'm not saying that that happens every day. It was a real special season in, in my life with my mum. My dad was preaching. And it was a real precious season. My God, we were laughing in the car. One time she was laughing so much she couldn't drive. She said, I can't drive. I can't. Right, we were just like, it was amazing. It was beautiful. It was God's presence. It wasn't laughing without meaning. He was there. It was like a feast. It was like a party. It was like a banquet of his presence where he was laying out all of these delightful things inside us. The hunger was gone. The thirst was gone. Nothing else mattered but being and fellowshipping with one another and talking. I mean, my God, we just talk about the Lord all day long. All day long and not in a, in a hard way. But we were just like laughing. And, and then one day, one night actually, we turned up in this petrol station I'll never forget it. And um, I, I mean, I got, the, I, I got the pump out, the petrol pump, and I'm filling the car up. And my mum said, I'll just go and pay. I said, okay, mum. She looked at me, I looked at her, and suddenly I said, mummy's here in the petrol station. <laughs> she said, I know, he's here. 
Man, we just started laughing, right? I'm not crazy, right? I mean, it may have looked crazy, but just, just joy, just so happy, so happy, right? And um, she said, Dave, I'll go and pay. And she was just laughing. All of a sudden, she got to the, she got to the guy who was, uh, you know, behind, behind the till. And suddenly, she starts to prophesy to this man. And, and she began to tell him all of the things that had been going on in his life. Now, my mom will tell you, she'd be the first to tell you she can't do that. But the Spirit of God started to pour out. This man in the petrol station starts crying his eyes out. I mean, he's just bawling like a little baby. And I just come along then. I said, what's going on here? And then the three of us just start, I mean, spontaneously. Nobody's telling anybody anything. Spontaneously, the Holy Spirit, it's just joy in the petrol station. He's laughing his head off. We're laughing and we're looking at each other just all laughing. And then suddenly it lifted. We led him to Christ. And, and, and we told him to go, I think we told him to go to Hillsong. And this was years ago now. And suddenly, he was, he was, he received Jesus. And then again, before we left, we all started laughing. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. And then after it all, just at the, just at the right time, when we were leaving, another car pulled in. We jumped in our car, drove off, and he carried on with his work and received Christ. I don't know where that man is today. That's just one little story. That's just one little story. But I'm telling you now, we're going to pray for people. I don't know what the little emoji is in your heart today. Maybe it's ecstatic. I'm so happy. But as a pastor, as a shepherd, if it's not, my concern is for you. My, my heart wants you to be happy as a pastor. My heart wants you to have everything that Jesus has died to give you. As a shepherd, I want you to be in a pasture that is green and luscious, where you have no worry or care, where you, where, where you don't wander to the left or to the right, but you know that joy of security that comes from him. Amen. Amen. That's his word to us this morning. Now we're going to sing. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Maybe today you've never asked Jesus into your heart. You know, I understand maybe why you haven't. Maybe the ideas that you've had of church, the ideas that you've had of Jesus could be all wrong like, like, like they were for me. I never, ever associated joy with church. I never, ever associated joy with being a Christian. Far from it. I didn't want anything to do with it. Neither did my brother. But I'm telling you now, there's a joy. The Bible says there's a river that makes glad the city of of God, the people of God. We should be 
joyful. We should be a people that are glad. We should. And there are times where we go through the valley of Baca, like the Bible says, but even when we go through the valley of Baca, David says he, 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 he provides springs and wells of water wherever we go. And I'm telling you now, it's supernatural. It's reserved for the child of God because God is deeply concerned about our well-being, that we might have a good life, that we may have a blessed life. He is deeply concerned that we are happy. I'm serious. That we are not straining with a smile, a forced plastic smile. And listen, I'll be honest with you. I remember looking in the mirror and thinking, my God, my smile is gone. My smile is gone. Where's it gone, man? I said it. Looking at my face in the mirror. But you know what? The Bible says that he is moved with the feelings, moved with the burdens, moved with the affirmities of his people. We do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with our feelings. You're sad today. He sympathizes with you. You're unhappy. You're confused. You're angry. I, maybe the majority of us are not. I don't know. But the comfort of the Bible is this. He doesn't condemn. He sympathizes with our feelings. He feels those very feelings that we feel. He sympathized with my feelings and my brother's feelings and my mother's feelings. And he filled our lives with laughter. And there's a well and a river that makes us glad, that's there for us. Maybe today you're in this place and you've never prayed a prayer asking Jesus into your life. I want to pray with you before we pray for people here this morning. I want to pray a simple prayer. The Bible says, that we're to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't even say that we have to pray, friends. I mean, this offer is so simple. Very often, up and down the country, we pray prayers with people, and we, we ask them to repeat prayers. Do you know what? The Bible don't even, it doesn't even instruct us to do that. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. I'm going to pray just to help you. But the moment you believe, and you could have already done that before anything has happened this morning. But I'm just going to pray with you to help you. But this is going to be a prayer of belief. You're going to place your, your, your faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done as Savior. Dying on the cross, rising from the dead to cancel out your sin so that you will not be punished. You're going, to, you're going to place your hope and your faith on him. Pray this prayer with me right now. Say this quietly in your heart. Or could we say it together? Let's say it together. Say this. Jesus, I ask you today to be my Savior. Save me from my sin. I ask you 
to come into my needy, thirsty life. I want the waters of life to fill my empty life. Save me, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. I place my faith in you. Amen. Amen.